CGF Minis. I'm co-host Jacob Park, and I'm here with the lead singer of Economo, Wyatt Keener. Wow, thank you. A throwback <laughs> reference there. Uh, appreciate that introduction. Also the general manager of the Winter Faces, and we are here to break down the exciting week three action. Jake, it was a role reversal for us, I believe. I haven't caught up with you on what exactly your Sunday looked like, but in the Discord you said it was your first week being able to watch a lot of football. Um, I was busy, uh, took our niece to the theater to uh, help celebrate her birthday. So I missed the the noon slate in particular. And there were um, a lot of games in the noon slate, not as many afternoon games. Were there any, uh, any football takeaways related to the CGF or football at large? Anything that you felt here in your first week of really unadulterated football viewing? Red zone is a rush. Yeah. It was making my head spin. I, I liked watching that. I was uh, switching between that and actually watch watching the Detroit Atlanta game because that was fun. It was uh, Zach and the, the Rocky Mountain Moosons running back, Jameer Gibbs, going against mine, and Vijan Robinson, uh, brought to you by CJF Minis Recovery Drink. Uh, so that was really fun to see that live and get fired up for that. And then, yeah, switching. I couldn't resist going to red zone, though especially when people were like messaging in the, the channel. So I knew I was missing stuff that was going on in all those games. So, um, yeah, I made a stupid comment at one point that we were like, because it was this way at first, like our scores were all projected to be like like an all-time low. And I think it, we ended up setting the highest median ever recorded, at least that I have for like the last two years, at 178.2. So wow. it was a crazy week uh, as I got to watch hope slowly drain away in a in – a, um, Low, what was a low scoring matchup? I think the Mooses ended up with an okay, uh, 130 or 135. Yeah, maybe no team better exemplified that like low projection to higher result better than the God Kings. I checked, you know, like I can't remember exactly when in the afternoon it was, but I think like when we were leaving the theater and it looked like the God Kings were going to put up a very low score. Here they end up 196. Uh, incredible week for them. Second highest scoring team of the week. So yeah. Must have must have been some long touchdowns or some uh, some big plays late. I know maybe the Chargers Vikings game was what propelled that because I know that was low scoring early and then ended up high scoring late. They have both Kirk Cousins and Keenan Allen who scored big. So yeah, we'll get to that game in the in the uh, breakdown. But an interesting week for sure. All five road teams won this week. That was another Ooh. interesting thing that happened. Uh, well, while we're saying some fun facts. Uh, I did some research on my own, stepping on your toes a little bit, but uh, I was curious. We had two undefeated, our last two undefeated teams squaring off against each other here in week three. Uh, do you know the latest into the season a team has been undefeated, not counting median score? Uh, that will make it trickier, but my best guess, because I think I looked this few weeks ago, is Bruce made it to 6-0 and in the first season. That's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> the Brews were 6-0 in 2020 uh, that season. Unfortunately, they were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, but off to a hot start then. And they uh, tied their own record in 2022, also going 6-0. But I thought, you know, only one undefeated team after three weeks, that seems pretty early. Uh, so I also went back and I looked through um, what was the, the uh, earliest in the season 
that we are down to our last undefeated team. And as recently as last year, uh, the Brews were the only team that was 2-0. So after through two weeks, they were the only undefeated team. So uh, I kind of remember that because last year we had eight one-on-one teams after two okay. weeks. I had forgotten, yeah. So there you go. As recently as last year, Brews were the only undefeated team through two weeks. So, uh, And in fact, the the latest we've gone with um, before there was only one undefeated team left was in 2020, that inaugural season where the Brews were 4-0. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was the Gotham Knights who would have been 3-0 with them before losing in, in week four. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not often that we get two undefeated teams late in the regular season. And that, as we mentioned earlier, was the same case this year as the Brews fell to the winter faces. How about that for some Jersey Commissioner level fun facts? <laughs> That's pretty good. Top that. Top that. Oh, I don't know if I can. I only got two of five drops of dew um, oh. this past week, bringing the, the year we totaled to eight of 15, so just barely even above 50%. At one point, I was I was right, and this happened almost every week. Like I was looking, I'm like, wow, I'm projected to be 100% right. This is great. <laughs> but uh, no, like every matchup flipped on me. The ballers were predicted to win most of Sunday, I would say. By end of Sunday, it was clear we weren't going to, but um, it was close the whole time, but we were supposed to win. I missed that one, of course. Um, I think my only perfect teams that I have left now are Gotham and the Brews. Uh, but I do also, I, I was checking, I have two teams that I've perfectly uh, gotten incorrect every single week, and that would be the Ballers and Touchdowns and Abbey. So I will have that to track too. To don't, even know your, don't even know your own squad. <laughs> well, nobody did apparently because yeah. everyone was fluffing me up preseason okay. saying this is the year. <laughs> okay. A lot happened. of time left. A lot of time left. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the game. Uh, the games, huh? Okay, yep. First we game. Get... <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, with the flagship podcast back, we mentioned before the program off air that we were going to aim to keep this to a mini, and uh, we're blowing some hot air. So let's uh, let's get into business. <laughs> all right, all right. Game one <laughs> Rocky Mountain Mooses visit the popular ballers. Uh, pre game, I was trying to antagonize Mr. Moose a little bit in the media trying to get a rise out of trying to figure out who this guy is and just uh, maybe stir the pot a little. Uh, he finally responded, but didn't even acknowledge my comments or me uh, in any way, which was <laughs> pretty funny. And then he went in and, and, and beat us on the field. So um, yeah, I had no touchdowns this week outside of QBs. Um, and I think they each only had one apiece. maybe Watson had two. Uh, so rough week for the ballers. Uh, I think if I had the lowest, max possible points for two i didn't do a great job setting my lineup but i think it was just also a bad week for my team uh Derek carr is injured i don't know how bad yet hopefully not season ending it doesn't seem like but he's at least uh on the ir for now and my goodness he had 50 points on his bench with that running back from miami uh a, yeah. a chain is that how you say that guy's name yeah that's how everybody had been saying it he just released through the dolphins a statement to say that he wants his last name said a chan a chan or A-Chan maybe but uh, that's new for me because I've been saying A-Chan this entire time as well uh, yeah this was one of the lower scoring matchups um, but as you mentioned 50 points in the taxi squad and as we sit here today on Tuesday A-Chan is removed from the taxi squad so he might be in consideration to start for the Mooses in week four as they take on TDA we'll get to that matchup later uh, it seems like Derek Carr has a, a voided significant, significant injury. Um, the word on the street is that he has an AC joint sprain, 
And the average time a quarterback misses for such an injury is 17 days. Uh, so probably will miss two at most three games, it seems, and be back. Uh, that does unfortunately coincide with Deshaun Watson's week five bye. Uh, he should be back for Dak Prescott's week seven bye. But the popular ballers might be looking for interim quarterback hope as they look to keep their season alive. That's dramatic. They're one and two uh, <laughs> firmly, firmly in the playoff picture. But um, yeah, it's it's very tough when you don't get those touchdowns. I, touchdowns. I thought still a lot of really good performances. Michael Pittman looked great again with Gardner Minshew, backup quarterback. George Pickens was in prime time, and man, every time I saw him catch the ball, he looked so dangerous and fast. It just made me wish so badly that they could build the offense around him. But he seems to be making the most of this opportunity without Deontay Johnson in the lineup. And you hope the Steelers, um, with Matt Canada facing some pressure. Uh, reconsider who their most exciting and talented players are and get the ball to George Pickens. Uh, it looked like uh, Gus Edwards picked up a knock in the game, uh, which led to some carries going Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon's way. And so he unfortunately finished with only 5.1. But uh, when you don't score touchdowns, it's just the way it, the way it works. There's nowhere to, uh, to get points and to make up that difference. So just bad breaks. Um, but Still, Bijan outscoring Jameer, looking like a uh, a good talent, even in a negative game script, 10 points with no touchdowns. So he'll be back with a vengeance as the uh, the Falcons' rush offense is dynamic and faces a struggling Jacksonville defense in week four. The other side, Mooses did enough to get it done. Uh, their quarterbacks still uh, finding their footing. Pickett scored well, but um, looked a bit unsure at times and trevor lawrence is one of the stories of the season so far in the nfl as well as the cgf um i don't know what what it's going to take for him to look like the trevor lawrence of last year i think everybody was pretty certain given his high school profile his college performance um and then his year two season under his first under doug peterson that that was the real trevor lawrence um, we saw him struggle under Urban Meyer, and um, right now we're seeing him struggle to start the year. I expect that he will quickly return to form, but disappointing for the Mooses in the short term. Uh, that might be one of the reasons they're one and two, but they are one and two. They have their win, a win under their belt, some momentum building to week four in a crucial matchup versus TDA. And Mooses would have gotten a median loss. Uh this week, so like you said, I think these were this is one of the lowest, probably the lowest combined score uh, in a matchup. So, but uh, I mean, he had 50 points in one player on the bench. Um, could have easily been an even bigger blowout than it was. <laughs> All right, on to our second matchup. Last week we had the God Kings visiting Touchdownton Abbey in the Cookie Showdown. This was my game of the week. Um, it was a great one. Uh, I looked at on that weekly report. Both of them set almost perfect lineups to add to how exciting this game was, along with it coming down to, to Monday Monday night. Uh, they were both kind of swapping who was in the lead, and then there was a chance at the end that Rob could come back even in the, the last game there. So, uh, But God King set a 99.6% perfect lineup. Yeah. It was 96.6, so my goodness. That might be the best game. score we've ever seen. I don't know. Definitely up there. Two is imagine if... Uh, if Aaron Rodgers hadn't gotten hurt with how good the God Kings have looked. And I mean, one of their quarterbacks only had six points this week and they still almost broke 200. It's a great point. Yeah. The God Kings, uh, one of those teams in week one that put up a, a performance to forget, but thankfully for God Kings management, 
they are quickly able to forget about it. Two straight wins now. And uh, the second highest scoring team on the week, a very good total, as you say, despite Desmond Ritter only putting up 6.3, despite Josh, Joshua Kelly only putting up 2.7. And they're going to be very grateful for Austin Eckler to be returning soon. We'll see the, the Chargers have a week five by a lot of speculation that the Chargers may rest Austin Eckler again here in week four so that he then gets the bye as well and can come back fully healthy in week six. If that happens, the God Kings will have a tough lineup decision to make with Josh Kelly. He seems to not be up to the task of filling in Freckler for either the Chargers or the God Kings, but that doesn't matter when you have Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams, the ageless wonders, uh, both receivers in their 30s showing no signs of slowing down the center point of their team's offense. Devontae Adams has expressed some frustration with his offense. I imagine that even if he is dealt at the deadline, still several weeks away that uh, any team would build their entire offense around him. And whenever that happens, he is capable of these monstrous weeks. He'd been relatively quiet through the first two. And uh, this is the exact type of matchup against a very frisky TDA team that you need your stars to show up. And those two did for TDA uh, heartbreak. As you said, Monday night, this was the one that kept us all glued to our televisions. Could Jamar Chase get a, a touchdown? Could he break a, a, a another deep reception? Uh, he did all he could with 26.1. And really, it was Rashad White, who was playing in the earlier Monday game, who disappointed, putting up 7.2, including a fumble loss. Those two points would not have made the difference, but they could have been crucial to build to this win. What can you do? 192 points. Uh, they were the third highest scoring team on the week. I thought to myself as I opened the weekly report, how heartbreaking to see the TDA logo there in the top three and know that they walked away with a loss, such as the pain of not playing with the median, but it is a very fun league without it. Tyreek Hill in a 70 point game for the Dolphins had a big game, uh, but only one of the 10 touchdowns. And again, that's something else that you think could have just broke a different way. Cortland Sutton with two fumbles lost. Um, so it's one of those weeks where despite having some um, immeasurable excess in some areas, they had these pivot points that held them back. So despite George Kittle's hot start, despite Tank Dell, his second week in a row, um, stepping into what seems like a clear starting role for TDA and providing some of that depth that they needed, despite those performances, unfortunately not enough to push them over the line, and they will enter week four, one and two, but a great effort nonetheless. It's funny you mentioned Tyree Kill because I noted that too that, it, that he scored over 30, but it was almost a disappointing game for him. And yeah, in the 70 to 20 blowout like that, you, he could have broken 60 or 70, you think, normally. So. Yeah, I'm not sure how many points he scored in the second half. I feel like most of them came in the early part of that game. Yeah, because didn't they take out starters by the end? Yeah, they did. They had the backup quarterback through a touchdown to Robbie Anderson or chosen. Uh, I don't know what name he's going by. I apologize. But um, the wide receiver who used to be named Robbie Anderson, so um, that's when A Chain broke a couple. A Chain, excuse me, broke a couple of his. So, what could have been if the Broncos were able to keep it competitive? And that's another thing where it's just like so. The part of the reason the Broncos fell behind so much was because their turnovers. And Sutton was the one who turned it over the two of those times. You know, so it's like they uh, that that game had to be so exhilarating and yet so painful on the other hand that. If Sutton would have been able to hold onto the ball, could have kept the game closer, which would have allowed Tyreek to stay in. But the the TDA, the touchdown to Nabi, do not dwell in the past, um, nor do they get defeated either. A very resilient attitude. So they'll be back 
in week four and with plenty of excitement around the new young talent in Tankdown. All right, moving on to our third matchup last week, we had the Marley Magic visiting the Matriarchs. Uh, GMs Ryan and Katie uh, plotted together to throw a gender reveal party, as Ryan put it, <laughs> uh, color splash event. Uh, and it turns out it's a girl because Marley Magic won this game. Um, <laughs> not a bad showing, though, from the Matriarchs. Uh, CJ Stroud looks good again. They traded before the game started this week for Zach Moss from the Pit Kings, and he had immediate impact, which I thought was cool to see. Yeah. Um, they wonder with uh, Taylor possibly coming back soon, how much longer he'll be making these kind of impacts. Uh, as I'm stealing a note, you said to me while we were discussing that trade, why? <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is another one where Magic surprisingly would have got a median loss with a score of 173.26. So that's incredible that that would have, yeah. would have lost the median because that's still a great score, especially after just losing Chubb. And they put up 173 points despite a zero from Josh Reynolds. Not exactly sure um, what was going on. It wasn't able to watch that game, but it seems like he was healthy and out there. Um, just a very concentrated target spread for the Lions as they were feeding two players who we'll talk about later, one shortly. Um, but yeah, Tua, um, again, wasn't even really tested. He put up four touchdowns, 300 yards without playing the entire game um, and and not only not playing the entire game, but also like turning to the run. Um, and yet the Dolphins were still accused. I saw a quote that was going out Sunday night, Monday morning from rival rival owners talking about how the Dolphins were running up the score when that couldn't be further from the truth. If they would have been, then Tua and Tyreek both would have been putting up much bigger numbers. Um, but Kenneth Walker doing Kenneth Walker things, a big 30-point week. A.J. Brown has started the season quietly and had a frustrating game in week three, but still walks away with 22. And uh Travis Etienne, who was my pick for an explosion game, had a relatively quiet 17.8. But this matchup was not in doubt as they pulled out a nearly 40-point victory over the Matriarchs. Um, as you mentioned, the Matriarchs made a trade that seemed to indicate a more aggressive um, take on this year. They have not sold off any of those big star names yet and um, have added some insurance pieces, some depth with Juju Smith-Schuster and Zach Moss. And Moss was a centerpiece for this Colts offense in a big victory. He busted some big runs and was a desperate position of need after the position was vacant, essentially in week one with the now-released Deion Jackson. Uh, we'll see, as you say, with Jonathan Taylor coming back, what Moss's role looks like. But if his role is declining, it is um, it is balanced out by Marvin Mims' role surely skyrocketing. Sean Payton seemingly refuses to put his most talented player on the field. Um, in week two, he put up a 24% snap share. Week one, he put up a 27% snap share. Week three, he put up a 24% snap share. He's seeing the field basically for only one out of every four offensive plays. And yet he has had 20.3 points in week two and this week 16.6 a, a special teams, a, a kick return touchdown. Um, every reception he has seems to go for 50 yards. An incredible, incredible talent. Um, so Katie's got to be thrilled to have him on the roster and a, a centerpiece of the future of this franchise alongside CJ Stroud. Incredible performance from him in the 37-17 victory at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I've mentioned him every week, and then he keeps doing things that I'm more impressed by. So really excited for what he means for this Texans franchise who does not have a first-round pick in 2024. And um that, that's okay when you have a quarterback like Stroud, even if it was a dumb trade at the time. 
Derek Henry, two points. And I think that's what really lets the matriarchs down. Uh, don't be discouraged by that yet, Katie. In, uh, in 2022, last year, Derek Henry was off to a very slow start through three weeks. And yet he ended up returning to his old self. Everyone always questions the big dog. Derek Henry is still Derek Henry. I firmly believe that. And so uh, wait till we get to those cold weather games, till we get to those soft rush defenses and uh, watch him explode down the playoff stretch against the, 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 uh, the Dolphins, the Texans, and the Seahawks in weeks 14, 15, 16. If the matriarchs are around and competitive when playoff time hits, you'll be carrying them to enormous heights. So plenty of excitement around him still. All right. That brings us to matchup number four this week. We have the Gotham Knights visiting the Pit Kings. Uh, boy, Sam Howell was disappointing in this one with four interceptions in, in mm -hmm. one game. That was brutal. Gotham lose Mike Williams to an ACL tear at the first brutal injury of their campaign, um, at least to a player of that yeah. importance to the team, especially on a year that critics were saying might be uh, one of the last in their window. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll see how Hunter responds, if he's going to make any moves to replace that or um, or change uh, any kinds of change to his plans. Um, they're off to a good start, though. They're 2-1. and one. Um, They handled the Pit Kings pretty handily here. Um, yeah, what do you have for this one? The God King Slayer, Lamar Jackson, 28.18 points. I uh, had hoped and suggested he might put up 40 points, but you have to think he is charging up his ultimate for week four, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns defense is number one right now in success rate against the run, number one right now in success rate against the pass. We will watch what Lamar Jackson does against this talented Cleveland Browns defense. Maybe week four is when he saves that 40-point game for uh, the slaying of the God Kings. We'll have to see. But uh, as you mentioned, Sam Howe, I think the storyline so far, he's been really exciting at times. And uh, you're going to take your lumps as a young quarterback against a tough Buffalo Bills defense. It was his turn to face the music this week and uh, disappointing. On the positive side, Damian Pierce with 14.9 points. He'd been um, used very frustratingly through two weeks and still week three, his usage was was not at where you want it to be, nowhere near where it was last season, nowhere near commiserate to his talent level. Um, by the end of the season, he'll definitely be seeing 80% of the snaps, but you uh, just gotta, gotta grit your teeth and get through the, the early part of the season as the Texans realize what an immense talent he is. And the wide receivers tell a very similar story to you. Uh, just no touchdowns to be found here uh, outside of Gabe Davis, and it was his only catch of the day. It's not going to cut it, unfortunately. DeAndre Swift, uh, again, a menace cutting through defenses, 130 yards and 16 carries. Unfortunately for Colton, though, the split with the Kenneth Gainwell was much more, much more akin to 50-50, in 70-30 or 80-20, making his headache at the uh, Eagles running back position that much more frustrating. But it seems like Swift is the one to start. And it's really exciting. A, a player that the Pit Kings have believed in throughout his entire career, they spent high draft capital on, capital on him, have stayed by him through thick and thin. We've seen the Lions um, cast him to the wayside, but we're finally seeing his talent rewarded and his, the faith that the Pit Kings organization has put in him rewarded. Uh, with with some success on the football field and in the CGF. A really fun player that I'm excited to see earn the spotlight. The fun number is zero too. 
I feel like he's a good uh, player to wear a character. Good player to wear number zero, given how quick and shifty he is. Uh, Kyron Williams had been punching touchdowns in at a two touchdown per game clip. Does not find the end zone once this week, and that will make the difference. But the Pit Kings, while their max points for took a hit this week, um, still have shown a lot of fight and face a big rival in week four. Excited to see what they do. Plenty of time this season for things to level out. On the other side, the Gotham Knights, uh, we never know whether they're going to be their week one self putting up 100 points, their week two self putting up 200 points. Well, in week three, they were more their week two self nearly touching 200 points, 186. As you mentioned, Mike Williams, who put up 25 points in this one, is lost for the season. Maybe that'll be mitigated by the return of Saquon Barkley. I'll have a note on that when we preview their week four matchup against the Winterfaces. Faces. a pretty solid performance from uh, Jerome Ford. Yeah. Uh, their pickup last, was that just last week you got him? That's right. Um, so yeah. that's already paying some dividends. We'll see if that continues as the, the season goes on. All right, our final matchup last week was your matchup, Winter Faces at Bruise, a battle of, of two of the, the big three, as I like to call the Bruise, Winter Faces, and, and Gotham Knights. Um, it's also a battle of wasted Ram receivers, as you're each holding on to a, a coveted new hot Ram receiver, uh, one on the bench. Uh, you're actually storing yours on the taxi squad, so not only have leftover points on the bench, but on your taxi squad, you have points. <laughs> you're just dumping excess points everywhere, points you don't need. Uh, now that you guys have played each other, I'd say you should release both these players back in the in the wild so we can <laughs> use them against the other to try and increase your chances of getting a bye. I'm uh, baffled by Williams' decision to not play two draws, say. Well, at least he's activated. <laughs> at least um, he's activated. But yeah, Bruce would have obviously gotten a median win here. Um, it was score 183.14. Um, solid game by both of you. It was a good shootout, as we had predicted it might be. I mean, what can you say? Tutu's put up 17.9, 15.2, 17.2. William Spicer put a huge bid out for Tutu, and yet he still will not start him. Uh, I don't know if there's a scarier feeling in the CGF than opening up the Sleeper app and seeing you are matched up against Bruce for the week. They uh, weren't um, in their final form this week, which allowed for the winter faces to come out on top. Part of that, as we mentioned, was still essentially punting a running back position. Craig Reynolds with 1.5 points, only projected for 4.87. So it's not like he was really doing much worse than than um, what people thought of him. Mark Andrews still alongside the Ravens offense, figuring out this new Todd Monken play calling and play design. Um, we'll see. I have to figure this is another one of those things where uh, teams will write, their course, write the course over the... Um, the duration of a season. I think Todd Monken is hoping to have more of a spread offense, which doesn't always necessarily prioritize the tight end, but uh, we've seen that the Ravens have really struggled with that so far. And I think at a certain point, Monken's probably after week four, um, I was being really optimistic a second ago, but again, the Browns defense is um, a destructive force. They are number one against both the pass and the run, which is nearly impossible. No team is, is ever that good at both. Um, and so I do think that if the Ravens struggle, he'll have to take a look in the mirror and he'll realize that his best offensive player, um, best receiving player is Mark Andrews. And we'll start then seeing in week five on Mark Andrews back to his his um, usual self. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
Every week, Justin Jefferson puts up nearly 30 points, and it looks like the easiest thing in the world. This was another one of those. Stefan Diggs puts up 20, makes it look effortless. Um, but the real exciting story for the Brews, who um, have found, you know, Jalen Hurts was kind of this diamond in the rough. Uh, he was a kind of throw-in in a trade that they made with um, with Gotham Knights three years ago, um, alongside Carson Wentz, just to kind of get Carson Wentz handcuffed if Wentz lost the job. I'm going to trade that sent away Matt Ryan and uh, look what it's landed the bruise in the long term. And now Jordan Love as well, seemingly another um, uh, project they got the late of this late second round, had him stashed for all these years. And now he's paying off big dividends as well. So we're really excited to see what Jordan Love is able to, to do this year. And I know those uh, of us invested in the Packers offense are hopeful that he's able to be like C.J. Stroud, one of these young quarterbacks that seems like they can play competent football and uh, keep their offenses humming and potentially soaring. On the other side of the ball, the winner faces got off to a very hot start on Thursday, really an ideal situation for um, McCaffrey and Debo to be playing without Ayuk, allowed both of them to um, be the focal points of that uh, 49ers offense, and they capitalized against a soft and struggling Giants defense. Uh, and so despite disappointing performances from Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson and T. Higgins, it was big weeks um, or up and down most of the rest of the lineup. The two standouts were young Sam Laporta, who had a deep tight end or a big uh, deep touchdown catch, which propelled him to a 26.4 point week and the highest scoring tight end on the week. And then Raheem Mostert, as we said, part of this explosive Dolphins offense has four touchdowns in 45.2 points in one week. And uh, it's hard to win when you face a player putting up 45 points. Some guys have all the luck. That's right. <laughs> all right. You ready to move on to the preview? Let's get some previews going. Let's get some excitement. Let's try and get some excitement going and some belief going get... again in the, in the popular ballers. Heading into week four here. Okay, here's uh, the thing. There's plenty of excitement for everybody. I want to make that clear. These uh, week, the, the three weeks is such a small sample size. <laughs> and I don't want anybody thrown in the towel. I don't want anybody uh, giving up, sounding defeated. Uh, I think that if you'll recall, I said that maybe my projection on the ballers was too bullish. This isn't just for the ballers, but the rest of the whole league. Um, my projection on the ball ballers might have been too bullish, but at the same time, I think by the end of the season, they'll be the most terrifying team. So uh, you got to keep in mind that, especially those of you who had high draft picks and have young players, it takes them a while to get into the, the um, you know, the, the pacing of the NFL, the pacing of their own individual teams. And so um, full faith that the league is going to flip on its head. Let me give a couple of stats for context. Sorry, just real quick. Okay. Last year, last year, through three weeks, James Robinson was the running back three. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the running back four. DeAndre Swift was the running back five, which doesn't sound crazy to us today, but if you would have seen how the rest of Swift's 2023 season, 2022 season played out, it would have been. And Josh Jacobs, who ended up being maybe like the, during the regular season at least, the league-winning player. Um, Josh Jacobs was averaging right around 10 points, 10 PPR points a game. So you you almost certainly, I guess, could have found a, a trade where you um, traded away someone like CEH and got back Josh Jacobs. 
so when you take that into consideration and then you think about where that season played out, I think there is, there is we, we still know so little, so, so little about how this season is going to shape up. And uh, so some of these players who seem like the league winners yet, it's going to be hard pressed for them to keep up those paces through, through 16, 17 games. And likewise, um, the players that will end up winning leagues, we probably haven't even thought about as players worthy of starting yet. So, um, or disappointing so far. So don't give up on any one player yet, unless it's Josh Kelly. He's had his opportunities and he's no Austin Eckler. Looking at you, God, yeah, God Kings. No, you're doing great. And I know that you probably are not playing on, but definitely don't start. Well, anyway, okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I, uh, a lot's going to change. A lot's going to change this season. There's no reason to tank anyway with the new rule. If you're, That's very uh, true. <laughs> max possible points for, which coincidentally, I think, uh, Colton and I are in ninth and tenth there as well. So might as well keep trying, Colton. The, the worst that could happen is one of us is going to get Caleb Williams probably. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we have a good chance coming up though. Here I play Pop Your Ballers. Their first matchup. We're playing the Marley Magic. Um, teams are two and two against each other. Um, and originally I picked the Pop Your Ballers when I did my do drop. So um, if the pattern continues, it's going to be a Marley Magic win here because I've. I've picked incorrectly every time in my matchup. Um, before I break down this matchup, because this kind of goes together with the storyline, I do want to say that the next one is the Game of Thrones, of course. Pit Kings are playing the God Kings. Um, and that matchup is 3-2 to two in favor of the God Kings, 2-1 to one if you're counting only Game of Thrones in favor of the Pit Kings. And I picked originally the Pit Kings are going to win. Uh, but the mm-hmm. reason I want to do them together is because next week we swap opponents. So if there is going to be like a, a chance or an uprising for us to actually fulfill the prophecy of the season, which was um, pit Kings ballers up magic, God Kings out. Like we have, we have yeah. <laughs> these two games. We can help each other by adding a loss to the other team. So um, That's this is our, a good chance. That would result with the popular ballers three and two, the magic and God Kings two and three, right alongside the pit Kings at two and three. So yeah, that would signal a sea change. And um, I think, again, the, the evidence I'm not just blowing hot air, and I, we're going to start the Magic Popular Ballers game here in a second. But right now, after the God Kings just about touched 200 points and the Pit Kings were down around 100, right now as we sit, Sleeper projects this game, that game, to be only a two points that separate them, separate them. It's basically a 50-50 projection. But right now, we're talking about the Magic and Ballers, so we'll come back to that in a second. Um, the... Magic hope to continue to build off of week three's success. And James Cook is going to be the guy to take them there. James Cook has yet to score a touchdown. Um, and that's not too much of a surprise, given that the Bills do not necessarily trust him around the goal line, or at least I shouldn't say trust, but they like a bigger bodied back for those goal line touches, someone like Latavius Murray um, or even a Josh Allen to run it in. But I think that changes here against the Miami Dolphins defense that um, is going to allow some explosive plays. And I expect James Cook to break at least one 40-plus yard touchdown on his way to a 30-point week and testing the baller's resolve. We know what Tua is going to do on the other side of the ball. And hopefully Brandon Ayuk can return healthy and his usual self against a surprisingly stout Arizona defense um, as they face the Cowboys. On the other side of the ball, Dak, Dak Prescott excuse me, hopes to uh, correct some of the mistakes he made against the Cardinals, start defense we mentioned in there, um, their embarrassing loss after they looked like the best team in the league through two, two, two weeks. And uh, so I think even against the Patriots defense, that is always tough under Bill Belichick, Dak Prescott 
it will be exciting to watch as he is motivated to uh, return the Cowboys to glory in week four. And against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense that just allowed 37 points, surely this is the week that Bijan Robinson, presented by C. Jeff Money's recovery drink, explodes for 40 points to rival James Cook, surpass James Cook, and make up some of that projected deficit. This one will be tantalizing. Uh, we will all be on the edge of our seats as we tune in Sunday night to watch and see. Sorry, excuse me, Sunday morning, bright and early, as we watch to see Kyle Pitts restored to the starting lineup after losing the trust of the front office. Restored to, restored to the starting lineup and going against... Uh, going with Bijan Robinson presented by CGF Minis Recovery Drink against Travis Etienne in London under the bright lights of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun if uh, we're not too groggy-eyed when it starts at 8.30. But on Monday night, we'll be on the edge of our seats to see if Kenneth Walker can make up the 20-plus point deficit that the Magic face to the popular ballers and if they're able to keep the ballers down where they've been for a few years or whether the uprising is not we will all see as Kenneth Walker faces the Giants defense on Monday night. I didn't realize that London game was this weekend, but last time they were in London, that was one of Pitt's better games, if I remember right. Oh. I know he had a touchdown, 119 yards, one touchdown, nine receptions. I, I pulled it up. I didn't remember all that. <laughs> <laughs> Fond memories. I was watching that game in Nashville with Aaron, so that was a fun one. I remember going nuts together when, when he was going off. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they can repeat that. And... Have you seen – the um how they're going to do like a toy story uh yeah keep live cast. That. I'm, I'm very curious what that's gonna look like on nickelodeon i think definitely gonna at least turn it on to see or disney i guess yeah. yeah i don't know like how well they're gonna be able to like map the motion of the like right. it's kind of cool they're like action figure same players but how uh, delayed is it gonna be yeah i've got so many questions yeah well this would, i'll definitely we'll have to be sure to check that out it'll be fun yeah I did also I never noticed this, but they, the Magic have AJ Brown's nickname as Mississippi Mrs. <laughs> AJ Park. I don't know how long it's been like that. That's great. I hope to show AJ that she'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> as far as I know, it's been like that since year one. Um when Ryan was the lone lone <laughs> general manager of the uh, of the league. But you have to ask Ryan when that went into went into effect. <laughs> um do you have any more preview for picking Scott Kings or you want me to go ahead and dive right into the projection analysis? Um, I don't have much. So there's Game of Thrones. I'm excited for it as always. Um, and aside, maybe that we don't have to get it now in the middle of matchups. I don't know what the future of rivalry games is going to be just because I don't know how we can expand this. It's kind of feels unfair to tell nobody else that can have one, but then we're going to have like rivalries every week and then the, the patch making is going to get out of control. So Maybe that needs to be simplified or I don't know. And I also think it's weird that if you play each other twice, like they're going to this year, that the second game is just not one of them, uh, which is the system I created. So I'm not blaming anyone but myself. Uh, but yeah. I like that they're, I like that they're just like a couple rivalries. If that's too I'm much, a, if, if it's ever no, too I'm, much. I'm enjoying it, but then that's, okay. that's not fair then, right? Because then if anybody else wants one or something organically happens, it's like, well, we already got the two. And one of them is just literally over an argument over all these shopping carts. <laughs> Manufactured rivalry. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, this yeah, one, what are your notes for the for this match? This one is a rivalry built on hatred, a rivalry built on bloodlust, a rivalry built on <laughs> violence, a rivalry built on decades of history, a decades built or a rivalry built on a shared last name, 
and a decade, or why do I keep saying a decade of rivalry <laughs> built on passion. And we will see that passion come to a head on Sunday and Thursday and Monday. And what a treat it'll be to watch the God Kings and Pit Kings square off in my game of the week. I expect this one to be a back and forth affair. Lamar Jackson, the titled God King Slayer. We've already hinted at what he might do. I can only sit back in anticipation. It's going to be a long rest of the week as I wait to imagine what he does to the Browns defense Sunday at noon. What will bide some of that time is Calvin Ridley against the, the Falcons in London, as we mentioned, Drake London against the Jaguars in London. You have to wonder if Drake London has a special game up his sleeve at his namesake city. Uh, he's an immense talent, maybe the best, most talented wide receiver in the league. He just happens to play for a coach who does not value passing the football. But uh, if they throw the ball like they did last week, where they really let Desmond Ritter rip it, you have to expect Drake London to put up massive stats alongside Bijan Robinson, alongside Kyle Pitts, the London Slayer. And TJ Hawkinson is going to compile 15 catches, much like Puka Nukua did to uh, lead the Vikings to their first victory of the season over the Panthers. I expect that he might be doing the exact same thing, leading the Pit Kings to their first victory against the uh, of the season against the God Kings in this rivalry. Whoa, Nelly. This is also one of those games where uh, it, it matches up well for the Pit Kings because the quarterbacks for the God Kings are um, the... the their pass catchers are on the pickings. So like if Kirk Cousins is having a good week, it might be because TJ Hawkinson is having a good week. If Desmond Ritter is having a good week, it might be because Drake London's having a good week. And so um, some of that, that success that God Kings have um, is, is mitigated by those players on the other side. So would but you the, always rather have the receivers in these kind of crossfire matchups? I like to. It, it feels like anytime the quarterback scores, then it's then I'm scoring too. But that's not always true, obviously, especially for a player like Desmond Ritter who can run the ball well um, and Kirk Cousins who has Justin Jefferson. But what do you think? I like having the pass catchers in those matchups. It seems like it's more likely to hurt the team with the quarterback if they're throwing to the opponent's players. But then I guess it could always happen that the touchdowns are going to not your guy and then only the quarterback's getting points. But like a TD is worth more for the receiving yeah. player, right? Yeah, that's right. Six versus four for the quarterback. Uh, for the God Kings, let's hope they have Austin Eckler back to really um, push this game to its limits. I've already expressed loads of disdain for Joshua Kelly. Um, I think he was definitely worth starting. He had a great week one with Austin Eckler healthy. Weeks two and three. Weeks two, it was understandable. With Eckler out, he gets a higher snap count, but against a vaunted um, rush defense from the Titans. Week three, though, there is no reason he shouldn't have... Um, been one of the highest scoring players on the week. So I think I, I think there's plenty of reason to still keep him in the starting lineup. Um, but definitely questionable, uh, questionable what he might be able to do against the Raiders. He is the pivot piece for the God Kings um, because we know they're going to have big weeks up and down the rest of the lineup. Chris Olave might, might, I don't want to commit to it, but might be the star of the week. I can see him for 120 yards and two touchdowns. He's been just waiting to have that huge breakout game here in the 2023 season. And we've already seen his talent in his rookie year. And we've seen uh, Derek Carr feed him the ball or try to feed him the ball. He's seen double-digit targets in every game. If Dennis Allen lets Jameis Winston's arm loose, we might see Winston throwing 50-yard bomb after 50-yard bomb to Chris Olave for big-time scores. 
We'll see this three tight end lineup. The, the God Kings have invested heavily in the tight end position to take advantage of this tight end premium scoring. And they've got three good options in Ingram, Goddard, and Ertz. That's going to build in a nice safe floor to uh, make sure that the Pit Kings are putting up big points to keep pace with them. Whoa, Nelly. Game of the week. Mine as well. I'm glad that you said it first. It keeps shying away if I pick one and switch it. So I'm going to make you write it down in the future. But yeah, this is mine too. Uh, Rivalry game, uh, I think it's starting to become must-wins for Colton. you got to get wins at some point, um, and I hope it's this week. Man, I'm rooting for you. Sorry, Brady and Zach. All right. Next matchup, we have the Bruce – no, I'm sorry. The Matriarchs are visiting the Bruce Matthews. Uh, drop is to pick the Bruce. Uh, like I said, they're one of my only two perfect teams left. I still would probably stand by this Dewdrop. Uh the rivalry has favored the Bruce in the past six to one is their all time record against the matriarchs. Um, and I think uh, they're coming in hot. I mean, they lost last week, but they scored over 180 points. Things are coming together. Um, and while the matriarchs are not at all the team that they were predicted to be by the media and by possibly Katie herself before the season, I still think this matchup's going to be a bit too much for them. Yeah. Uh, I don't have that much to say about this. This is the most lopsided projection in sleeper. And uh, according to the dewdrop as well, uh, I don't know if you, you don't factor in lopsidedness, but I'm going to go ahead and say that. Um, like you said, the Matrix have surprised. They've remained competitive and um, have the talent to make this one um, interesting for the first uh, little bit of Sunday. Maybe one of their players gets a big touchdown and you start imagining maybe a Monra has a big Thursday and, and you start letting yourself dream that the Matriarchs are going to be the top scoring team of the week and take down the Brews for two weeks for their second loss in two weeks. But I don't think that dream will last terribly long into the day as uh, most of the Bruce players are also playing on that Sunday noon slate or earlier. So you have to figure by the time the second half rolls around, things will have corrected themselves uh, for projection's sake and the Brews will lay the hammer down with a 220-point response after what they deem an, a, a frustrating 180-point week. We wish we could be so lucky. 220 points coming your way, Katie. Hope you're ready for it. Aaron Jones looks like he'll be back for Thursday night against the Lions, <laughs> and uh, we've seen how desperately the Packers need him. He put up 26.7 points in week one, playing less than 50% of the snaps. And if that's what he did on that kind of a snap share, now that A.J. Dillon has proven himself to be a fraud, we will see Aaron Jones with a large snap share playing on a bad hamstring and putting up 30 points. This one's going to be sensational. Look for the Bruce to set scoring records on Sunday. All right, moving on to matchup number four next week. We have the Rocky Mountain Mooses visiting touchdowns in Abbey. Uh, these teams have only played once in their history. Moose's first season being last season. Um, they did take this game, though, so they have an all-time winning record against Touchdown to Nabby. Um, I picked them with my dude drop, uh, but like I said, Touchdown to Nabby is the other team that I've gotten wrong every week, so could very well be wrong here, and they've certainly been strong out of the gate. Like they're not. I don't think I was the only media member who predicted them to be lower in the stands this year, but uh, I think we've got the focus drop this season, and maybe we'll put Chip on his shoulder, too, at the, the rankings, which is yeah. Uh, helping fuel his fire and his uh his quest for the the silver Dietrich here, so um could see this game going either way. For sure, it'd be a pretty good game. 
We hope so. Uh, one thing we know about TDA is they're going to play close matchups. Uh, they won in week two by 10 points. In weeks one and three, they lost by four points. So this one will remain close throughout. Um, two teams that are going to be really excited to get on the field and see what they have in store. Um, two teams at one and two who have had possibilities to um, be better and uh, are definitely going to be wanting to grasp this opportunity to get a win against a team that is equal to you in the standings. These are some of the most important matchups you have over the course of the season because um, when we get to those final weeks and there's jockeying for those playoff spots, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be desperate to uh, have, have this early season game break your way. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch as a neutral spectator. Will we see the break, break uh, uh, CGF um, breakout of Devon Achan? Uh, he's currently slated to start for the Mooses. A lot of faith put in the youngster after his breakout NFL game in week three. For the rest of the roster, I expect that these young receivers um, will be back to making highlight reel plays if their quarterbacks can get them the ball. Um, that's not an issue for Devontae Smith. It's not an issue for Jalen Waddle if he's back from his concussion, which he almost certainly will, will be. But uh, with players like Garrett Wilson and Jerry Judy, we'll see uh, exactly what their offenses look like. The Broncos have a mouthwatering matchup against the Chicago Bears. Judy is now in his second game back after injury. You have to figure if there were ever a blow-up spot, it's this one. I like him to lead the Mooses to a high-scoring week. But on the other side, we've seen what the touchdown to Nabi are fully capable of. They were able to eke out a, week, a win in week two, largely because the Magic disappointed. Um, but week three showed that the Abbey can score with the very best of the teams. And this is with still some disappointing starters like Rashad White in there and bringing the team down but that's all right when you have george kittle tyree kill and jamar chase against a pass funnel tennessee titans defense uh, joe burrow will be that much um, healthier uh, still dealing with this calf injury and we saw that the bengals offense is best run when they're feeding the ball to jamar chase uh, t higgins was very disappointing you have to think that the burrow chase mind meld will be operating at full force the only thing that will keep Jamar Chase held in check from being wide receiver one on the week will be if the Tennessee Titans are completely non-competitive on the other side of the ball. That one will be a doozy. Jamar Chase running down the sideline, 75-yard touchdown after 75-yard touchdown. Cannot wait to see that game play out on Sunday. Moose's Abbey would have been my game of the week had Jake told me that his game of the week was, was, <laughs> my, my game, of Trots, <laughs> was game of the runs beforehand. Oh, baby, I can't wait for this one. I really hope that we're watching the, the scoreboard just like we were for God King's TDO this past week as Sky Moore catches a touchdown pass over Sauce Gardner to seal the matchup on Sunday night. All right, and then our final matchup this week is your matchup. Winter faces are visiting the Gotham Knights. Uh, I picked Gotham before the season began here. You guys have an old-time record of 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Usually great high-scoring matchups. Um like I kind of said last week, when Winter Faces and Brewers, it's almost so good it's boring because I don't think either of these teams are at risk of falling out of playoff spot uh, necessarily. These guns get more exciting to me at the end when you guys are jostling to figure out who's got the buys. Uh, not that this game is any less important than those are, but we don't really know how close it's going to be yet, um, which is why I tend to favor the the early matchups where teams who may not even make playoffs are playing just because it yeah. seems more dramatic to me. But yeah, I think it'll still be a great game. 
Um, and then, yeah, last undefeated team is at stake here. So we'll see how, if you can break uh, William's streak. That's right. Um, it's a good note too, because both, uh, all three of those teams, the teams that you're referring to as the big three, the winner faces the Bruce Matthews and the Gotham Knights, all three of those teams play each other twice this season. And so like you're saying, it is, um, the excitement is held in check a little bit with anticipation that we'll see them again, at least at the end of the regular season and maybe even a third matchup when the playoffs roll around. Uh, we saw these two teams square off in the semifinals of last year's championship as well. Winner faces were able to come out victorious despite a hard fought effort from the Gotham Knights. And uh, you wonder if that little edge, that extra motivation to get revenge on the winner faces will be what propels the Gotham Knights forward and over the finish line in this high-flying affair. Joe Mixon, I mentioned I was wrong on him, um, and he looked exciting and um, necessary for the Bengals with Joe Burrow um, moving around like a, a 80 year old out there on the field. But I highlighted how Jamar Chase might have a big week. Um, I expect it to come at the expense of a player like Joe Mixon who will be bottled up by that Tennessee run defense that kept Josh Kelly in check in week two. But there's still plenty of opportunity for a high-flying, high-scoring affair, uh, who better to um, bring this team to glory than Russell Wilson, who has looked renewed under Sean Payton. It hasn't always um, manifested in the highest scores and the most exciting plays. This is the week he does it. We saw what Patrick Mahomes and the Chief off Chiefs offense did against the Bears. Russell Wilson has his turn to do it here uh, in week four. And uh, so that'll be a lot of fun to watch him back in his, his usual form, being back like his usual self. Like we know what he could be back in his Seattle Seahawks prime. For the winter faces, uh, much like we highlighted with the God Kings Pit Kings matchup, Patrick Mahomes will be throwing the ball to Travis Kelsey a lot on Sunday night's matchup, which is great news for the Gotham Knights. All the more reason that I think this matchup slightly favors them as we sit here early in the week. Um, I expect a little bit of a coming back down to earth for um, for uh, some of the players who excelled in week three. Of course, that's inevitable when you put up the scores that Sam Laporta and Raheem Mostert did. Um, but if the tight end position is going scoring closer to 10 points than it is to 30 points, then uh, this is going to be a tough task for the winner faces. It should be a thrilling matchup, as you say. But uh, our attention, we hope, it's going to be firmly focused on what's happening on our other, the other two screens of our quad box as we uh, keep seeing the TDA and Rocky Mountain Mooses and God Kings and Pit Kings. We keep seeing their teams, their players in the red zone threatening to score. And uh, what a weekend it's going to be. Really excited for week four. I came into this podcast deflated and you got me all fired up again for more action. All right. That's what I want to hear. There's, uh, there's nothing better than getting excited all week for football and then spending all Sunday really um, frustrated and annoyed and your eyes hurt and your head hurts and you keep checking your phone for scores and notifications and for Discord and uh, watching half of the teams be completely inept at moving the ball down the field. But then you just catch a glimpse of glory. You catch a glimpse of Devon Achan having four touchdowns and 200 plus rushing yards and you realize the pure bliss that football can be. And we're all going to experience that together in a beautiful shared moment on Sunday as we tune into Disney to watch a cartoon Trevor Lawrence <laughs> check the ball to a cartoon Calvin Ridley as Andy, I guess, watches on from his bed. We'll see. 
Oh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> like hearing uh, Dan Campbell, they always joke about how he makes them cry talking about football, but you're talking about fantasy football, so that's. Beautiful. I love the CGF. I think I would put our uh, you are what inspires it, what keeps the love pure and passionate of the world that you build around our league. But uh, I think I my love for the CGF, I would put up there with Dan Campbell. There's nothing better than a CGF Sunday. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, that's probably the perfect spot to end it. We said it was going to be a, a shorter episode. I, I think we completely failed that goal, but yeah, I think it was a good, a good episode, uh, hopefully. Um, so thanks again for tuning in, everyone. We hope everybody enjoys the matchups. Enjoy your CGF Sunday, is, is why I put it. Um, and we'll see you next week.